Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of John. John chapter 8 this morning. Hallelujah. We're studying the subject of the authority of the believer. We began last week looking at a few things that have to do with God wanting us to grow up a little bit so we can handle this power that He has invested in His Word, in the Holy Ghost and the power of the Spirit of God, power that's in the name of Jesus. We're going to study all these great weapons and great power that God has given us. Today, though, I thought it would be good for us to study our adversary a little bit. It's amazing how in every endeavor in life, you know, you take sports, for instance. A team will be, I guess it's a, in is it February that now they play the Super Bowl. So the Super Bowl will be played in February. And I guarantee you those two teams will study each other, study the weaknesses, study the strengths, find out the strategies, and do everything they can do to understand their opponent. Well, that happens in the sports field. You know, you take two boxers fixing to come together. Many times those boxers will watch over and over and over films and videos of their opponents so they can study them, know their tendencies. Now, in the, in the, uh, in the economic world, uh, if you were going to come into Galveston, maybe you're going to open a restaurant. Well, it would probably behoove you uh, to go around to the other restaurants of Galveston Island and find out what your competition is going to be like. Amen. Make notes on what you may think uh, uh, the strength of a certain restaurant is, the weakness of a certain restaurant, because in so doing, you can better develop your own, uh, your own business. But it's amazing, it's absolutely amazing to me how little the Christian church knows about the devil. I mean, you, you ask most Christians, and they don't even know if there is a devil. Well, I, I know there's good and evil, but I, I don't, is, there, is, there really a, is there really an entity? Is there really a being that's the devil? Well, the answer to that is yes, because we really don't get our information from Hollywood. I mean, Hollywood's got all kind of devils, amen? Uh, we don't get our information from, a, uh, from religion, tradition, or somebody's book, or somebody's vision. We thank God for all visions and dreams that people have. But when you get your information from the Word of God, then you're well informed. You're correctly informed, and the information that you get empowers you, Amen. Don't you like information that empowers you? Information from the Word of God, which we call revelation knowledge. Information from the Word of God is our best teacher. There's been a, a phrase coined, uh, you know, I don't know where it came from. I guess some philosopher or somebody coined it that experience is the best teacher. I remember, you, remember when you were a sinner and there were things you did that you thought you really learned something by what you did, but you really didn't learn anything because you were doing it again three days later. Well, I thought experience taught you. No, experience doesn't teach you anything. The Word of God teaches you something. Amen. Neither does our loving, faithful, kind, heavenly Father use the devil to discipline his children. I didn't get many amens on that one. I see we're going to have to unteach some religious mindsets. Amen. Let me say that again. Neither does a loving, gracious, heavenly Father use the devil to discipline his children. Which means all of this idea of, well, uh, God put cancer on me. Uh, God made me go through a bankruptcy, a divorce. He did this. He did that. He, uh, he, he was trying to teach me some great lesson. No, no, that's not God. God teaches us great lessons from the Word. 
That's where our great lesson from. Actually, I like to say it like this. Your great lesson is learned when you take the word of God and apply it to that situation and get out of that situation. That's when you learn a great lesson. In no way would you train your children like that. So I think I'll teach my child about a rattlesnake. So you go down the aisle and get you the biggest old nastiest rattlesnake you can find and go throw it in their room. Would you do that? Well, the Bible says you being evil, give your children good gifts. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost? Which is a great good gift, amen? So we need to learn some things about the devil. You say, why? Really, if you study the Scripture, meditate on the Scripture, you will understand that the only power demon forces, devils, and Satan himself has over you is the power you choose to give him. Amen? So if you give him power, if you give him power, he's going to beat your brains out. And a lot of times we give him power through our lack of knowledge. It is the enemy's desire to impart to you temptation. Many times temptation comes first in the realm of the thoughts. He wants to impart to you a thought, a thought, a thought, a thought, hoping that you will speak and act upon that thought. Because he knows if he can get you to speak and act upon a certain thought or way of thinking, he can keep you in bondage. He can keep you in physical bondage to a sickness or disease. He can keep you in financial bondage to a way of thinking. He can keep you into, uh, addicted to, to some type of drug or alcohol. If he can do that, he will do that because he has no creative power, but you do. He has no ability to create, but you do. You are made in the likeness and image of God. You are the one that creates. You are the creator of your world, of the world that you live in. And the enemy wants to disrupt and harm that by getting you to think the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, and act on the wrong thing. Now, many of you have friends. Many of you know people. I, I trust you're witnessing to them and, and that your life is preaching the gospel to them, that your words are preaching the gospel to them. But many of you have friends that they live in that scenario in which they begin to think something and then they begin to say something and then they begin to act on what they think and say and then they have it. It's like, it's like negative faith. It's like faith in reverse. Bringing the curse into the, you take a person that begins to, to, to look at the economy and look at, the, uh, uh, look at their own finances and begin to think, well, we're, we're just not going to make it. The thought will get in their mind. You're not going to make it. You're not going to have enough money this year to pay your bills. You won't be able to pay your property tax. You surely can't go on vacation. You've got to cut way back at Christmas time. Uh, you're, you're, you're just not going to. And so they begin to think that. So they begin to say it. They begin to tell their wives, honey, I don't think we can make it this year. They begin to tell their children, we can't go on a vacation this year. Uh, they begin to take and strategize formulas on how to scrimp here and save here and do this and do that. And next thing you know, no matter how they try, it, try for it not to happen, what happens? It happens. Why? Because they believe it in their heart, confess it with their mouth, and act on it. And anything the human being believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth and acts on, he possesses. So that's what the enemy's trying to do. Actually, the, the Lord spoke it to me like this one time. He said, you know, I've already qualified you, speaking to me in prayer one day. He said, I've already qualified you for everything you'll ever need. For all the money you'll ever need personally. For all the money you'll ever need in your ministry. For all of the health you'll need to walk in strength here on the earth. For all of the ideas and insights and concepts you may need to, to pastor a church or a ministry. He says, I've already qualified you in Christ. When you got born again, you were qualified for all of that. Then he said this, the Lord said, the devil cannot disqualify you. 
I mean, that was was a revelation. The devil cannot disqualify you. So what he's trying to do is trying to get you to disqualify yourself. That's his strategy. That's his tactic. That is what he, listen, and it's just not Christianity. He hates all of humanity. He hates all of humanity for within every human being is the potential of another new creature in Christ. Another born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, devil-defeating, devil-casting out, hands-laying-on-the-sick individual that goes around and demonstrates his defeat. Amen. Amen. So did you find John chapter 8? Let's begin to look at our adversary. Let's study some things about our adversary so we won't be ignorant of his devices. Number one, it says here in verse 44, Jesus speaking, actually he's speaking, I went back and studied this portion of scripture, he's speaking to believers who tried to get religious with him. It said, you are of your father the devil. Now he's actually speaking of man's, this is one of man's condition in Adam, is they're of their father the devil. You know, there's songs out there and there's people that talk about how the whole human family is God's family. That's not true. On the, fa- on the, on the planet earth, there are two families. Got quiet in here. There are two families. There's the human family. And there's God's family. And because the human family bowed its knee to to Satan, to Lucifer, to the devil, then all of the traits of the devil himself have shown up in the human family. Isn't it amazing how we've never been able to produce peace on this earth? There's always some kind of conflict. There's always some kind of war. There's always some... Have you noticed we've never been able to erase poverty? I'm talking about the human family. Years ago when there was a lot of teaching going on on prosperity, uh, there was a particular man I had confidence in, and he said that there was a calculation done of the wealth of the world. How many euros, how many dollars, how many yen, how many francs, how much gold, how much diamonds. Now this is what he said. He said in calculating, which they could do at the time, and I'm sure there's a great margin of error, but he said in calculating the wealth of the world and dividing the wealth of the world among the people that were on the planet at the time, which were about six to six and a half billion, every person on the planet should have about two and a half million dollars. Not very well distributed, is it? Amen. That shows God put provision here, but the human family messed it all up. There are those that have nothing, and there are those that have billions. See, it's all, and you notice how the, the ones that have the billions are not willing to go around and give everybody their two and a half million. Governments have tried to distribute it. They've tried to bring equality, but that's always a big mess. Amen. That's all that is, is a mess. See, you got to understand there is a real problem with the human family. That's why Jesus came so that we might have life and have it in abundance so that we could be free from the bondage of the human family and live in the reality of God's family. So it says here, you are of your father's the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. That's exactly what the world system is. The lust of their father they are performing. Isn't it amazing how so much in the earth today, they see darkness as light. Amen. Now, I don't want to get critical, and I'm certainly not political. But I want you to know, this that's gone up, up in Houston with the mayor this past week, that's highly disturbing to me. If you say, well, I don't know what that is, good. I'm glad you don't. But you know, men and women should marry, not women and women and men and men. And it should not be so celebrated that this is right. No, it's darkness, church. Let me say it again. It's darkness. You say, well, I'm involved in that life and lifestyle. Get saved. Get born again and get delivered from that. There's no light in it. It's only dark. You say, well, an enlightened society would allow that. No, no. Only a darkened society allows that. 
Enlightened means enlightened by the word of God. It's amazing to me how people see light and call it dark. And see dark and call it light. And see life and call it death. And see death and call it life. That is a true trait of a fallen race of people. And when I say race, I'm not talking about white, black, or Spanish, Asian. I'm talking about the human race. So, it says this. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. Everybody say, he's a liar. Say, he's a liar. Say, he's a liar. Now we must take reservation, this, this revelation and use it to our advantage. How many know when the devil speaks to you? You know because it goes contrary to the word. Now when the enemy speaks to you, you've got to build within your human spirit this resistance. Two different times over in the letters to the church, the writers write, resist, actively oppose the devil, and he will flee, run, and start terror from you. One way you begin this resistance process is understanding anything he says to your mind is a lie. Let me try it one more time. Anything he says to your mind, you just need to shout it out loud. That's a lie. That's a lie. When he says you're sick, that's a lie. When he says you're not going to make it, that's a lie. When he says you're broke, that's a lie. When he says God doesn't love you, that's a lie. Come on, church. I told the story a couple of times. I, it bears repeating a certain minister I was listening to, uh, kind of reading study after a little bit, how he went into the doctor and the doctor was giving him all this bad report about his heart. And he said, it just, he said, I, I, he said, I'd have never said it. He said, I have a little more respect for a doctor than that. But he said, all of a sudden, it just came out of me. You're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. Well, he wasn't talking to the doctor. He was talking to the circumstances. Well, the doctor thought he was talking to him. They ushered him out of the clinic. But you know, he stood on the word of God, stood in faith. Six months later, went to another doctor. And everything the previous doctor said was proven to be a lie. And the truth was that by the stripes of Jesus, he was healed. Now see, remember, remember our faith teaching now. Don't depart from faith. You say, what do you mean? There's the facts. There's the truth. The fact is, you may have a heart condition. The truth is... By his stripes you're healed. We don't deny the facts. We apply to the facts the truth of the word of God. And when your adversary comes to you with words in your mind, you need to understand that is a lie. I've always kind of done it like this. When the enemy comes to me and says, you're sick, I say, thank you, Mr. Devil, for that good report. The Bible says you're the father of the lies and truth is not in you. You're lining right up with the word of God by telling me I'm sick. That must mean I'm healed by the stripes of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to thank you that you're agreeing with me, agreeing with the word, and agreeing with everything else God says about me. You're standing right in your place doing what you're supposed to do. I'm standing in my place doing what I'm supposed to do. You're a liar. I'm standing on the truth. Thank, thank you, Father. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Mm -mm. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. Let me try that again. There is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father or the originator of it. Now, if you will, go to the book of Isaiah. Go to Isaiah 14. Now, I want to mention real quick Genesis chapter 3. Don't go to Genesis chapter 3. Go to Isaiah 14. Genesis is the first time we see this entity, this being, the devil. John 10, we know the Bible says in John 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. The thief that he's talking about there is Satan, is the devil, is demon powers. Let that always be, listen to me very closely church, let that always be the dividing line of what you do and don't believe. The thief, Satan, Lucifer, demon powers come to what? This describes what they do. They come to steal, kill, destroy. Anything in your life that, that, that in any way has anything to do with those these three things. Steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. Relationships that have been killed. Amen. Uh, money that has been stolen. That which has been, that is the devil. That is not God. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. Now in Genesis chapter 3, we see the entrance of this being. The reason I mentioned John chapter 10, because you can study this in John chapter 10. Jesus speaks of legal and illegal entrance into humanity. There is legal and there is illegal entrance. There's only one legal way into humanity. And that is the way God created. God created for everything that comes into humanity to come in through the womb of the woman. The womb of the woman is the place or the way in which we get into humanity. If you come into humanity any other way, you're coming as a criminal. Amen. You say, now why are you saying that? Well, we're discovering the nature of our adversary. He is a criminal in nature. According to the law of the spirit of life in Christ, you are healed. When he brings symptoms of sickness and disease to you, he is breaking the law. You must learn, this is what we're believing God to happen in this series of teaching, is for you to rise up and become the spiritual law enforcement officer of your life. Not Pastor Rusty, not Brother David George when he comes, not your favorite televangelist, but you kick the devil out of your finances. You kick the devil out of your health. You kick the devil out of your mind. You kick the devil out of your life and you keep him out in Jesus' name. Or he's going to come as a what? Thief. As a criminal entity. He is a criminal entity, which means he does not have the right to do it, but he does it anyway. He got into, look look at what he did when he came into Garden of Eden. He went to the wrong person. That was illegal. He didn't go to the spiritual head. He went to the woman. What did he formulate? A lie. He got into the body of a serpent. That was illegal. Everything about the fall was illegal. None of it was legal. Everything about redemption was legal. You say, well, who sets the terms of justice? Somebody that knows a whole lot more than we do. Our heavenly father. Amen. But now Isaiah. Now notice this in Isaiah. Beginning in verse 12. Here's another trait of our adversary. Remember this is our. This is our. How, what would we call it? Our intelligence report. Verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven? He's fallen. I said he's fallen. I said he's fallen. He's not exalted. You say, what do you mean? Only one is exalted. Philippians chapter 2. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him. Who is that? Jesus. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him. Given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, beings in heaven, beings in earth, and beings under the earth must bow at his name. Are you with me? So he is a fallen. Now this is referring to his initial fall. You say, what do you mean? Well, he's actually had a couple of really bad situations in his life. The first one's when he fell from heaven. Now listen, I'm not the smartest preacher in the planet, the sharpest knife in the drawer, 
But I want you to know I'm not stupid enough once I get to heaven to get kicked out. So he's a dumb devil. I mean, you know, you believe God, you live 70, 80, 90, 100 years, and you use your faith, and, and you fight the devil, the world, the flesh, and all the everything else, and, and you believe God, and then you die, and here you enter into heaven. You don't want to get kicked out of heaven. Now, we'll see in just a minute, he caused an insurrection in heaven. But he's fallen. He got kicked out. And what's amazing about that is when he fell, he fell to earth. And when he hit the earth, darkness came on there. He not even got enough power to keep the lights on. First thing God did when he created the earth was to come and do what? Turn the lights on. Let there be light. And light was. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? So this names him straight up, right up. Lucifer, son of the morning. How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations. Now notice this. Let me read this a minute. This will give you a little insight. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation of the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like unto the most high. You see something kind of running through those scriptures? The big eye. The big, that, that, that is literally one of the revelations we have of this force called iniquity. We'll look at that in just a second. But it's selfishness. I, 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 I. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. Now you look at the world and the world system and it exalts every person that is so selfish that it's able to focus everybody upon them, their needs, my, 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 my ability to sing, my ability to act, my ability to govern, my ability to do this. I, 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 me, me, me. Thank God the devil tried to exalt himself and God humbled him, but Jesus humbled himself and God exalted him. You say, what do you mean? When Jesus came, it wasn't about him, it was about you. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him might be saved. Be careful of those eyes, amen. Yet thou will be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake the nations? Notice that phrase, narrowly look upon thee. Now that is actually an old Aramaic saying. And the literal trans translation of narrowly look upon thee is this. To hedge about with a hedge of thorns. Now, remember the information we get from the word of God is what we call revelation knowledge. God wants us to have revelation knowledge on the new birth, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, healing and prosperity, the gifts of the Spirit, redemption, who we are, what we have, what we can do in Christ. But he also wants us to have revelation knowledge on the devil, on Lucifer, on Satan. You say, why? Because that word, to narrowly hedge about with thorns, insinuates that the revelation of the Word of God will literally encapsulate the adversary. You say, what do you mean? It will surround him with a hedge of thorns that he can't get out of. He can't be what Hollywood says. You say, why? Because the Word, he's what the Word says. He can't be what some religious people think. He, I, I, I saw a video one time. It just disturbed me. It was on Christian TV. 
And it was about revival and all kinds of stuff. And it kind of showed this scene down in hell. And all the demons were all concerned and they were all weird and all deformed. But then it showed the devil. And you know who they picked to be the devil? They went down to Gold's Gym somewhere and found the biggest, most buffed up being they could find and painted him up to look like the devil. Well, that is not what the devil looks like. The devil is what the Word of God says he looks like. And God wants you to know that that revelation of the devil puts him in a hedge of thorns that he cannot get out of. Let me, let me help you. This, this will help you. The Bible says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, there is no temptation taken you such as is common to man. Now, that means every temptation, everything that goes contrary to what we have in Christ is a temptation. You're not really sick. You're tempted to be sick. The symptoms are coming against your body. You're not, you're not broke. You're tempted to be broke by deficits in your finances. Amen. You're not a poor old sinner saved by grace. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, the tempter comes to tempt you. Where does all temptation begin? In the mind. It did in, Mar in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus was being tempted of the devil. He was not producing a supernatural event. If he could do it to Jesus, he'd do it to, do, to you. You say, what do you mean by that? If the enemy could perform supernaturally in bringing temptation to you, don't you think he'd do it every moment of the day? You say, what do you mean, pastor? Well, well say, say you were an alcoholic. And then 10 years ago, you got saved. You got filled with the Holy Ghost. God delivered you gloriously. But the devil wants to tempt you with alcohol. So you go into your refrigerator and you pour you a big glass of iced tea and you start gulping that tea down and all of a sudden as you gulp it down it turns into Jack Daniels. Amen? If, don't you think if the devil could do that he would do that? Absolutely with every weakness of our life he would produce some type of supernatural manifestation but he can't do it. He cannot do it. Which means if the iced tea turned into Jack Daniels. Who was it used to say the devil made me do it? Flip Wilson? It wasn't the devil that did it. Amen. No it was you that did it. You yielded to the temptation to do it. Now notice this. They that shall see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth? You mean, you, you say, Pastor, do you really mean when we begin to see the devil for who he really is, we're going to say, You mean this is, this is the one? Come on, Pastor. Come on, man. It's got to be some giant monster. It's got to be this huge entity. It's at least Al Pacino. <laughs> you know, he played the devil in a movie. No, it's not. The Word of God gives us the revelation that paints the picture of this fallen, weak, depleted, dilapidated, no power, nothing. All he's trying to do is to deceive. He's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. A criminal spirit. And he's nothing. Now stay with me, stay with me. This is the guy that made the earth to tremble? That shook the kingdoms? That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof. That opened not the house of his prisoners. All the kings of the nations, even all of them, lie in glory. Every one of them in his own house. But thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch. As the raiment of those that are slain thrust through with a sword. That go down to the stones of the pit. 
As a carcass trodden under feet, thou shalt not be joined with them in burial, because thou hast destroyed thy land and slain thy people. The seed of evildoers shall never be renowned. Now, God is literally painting a picture of the end of this guy. He said, I want you to see something. That even the kings, even the wicked kings of the earth go to a place of honor in their burial. But when this guy comes to his end, I will have no more regard for him than the garments of soldiers. Now, what are the garments of soldiers? You, you, you go to a battlefield, whether it be modern or an ancient battlefield, and men were wearing garb. They were wearing uh, shirts and pants or whatever they were wearing. Well, they're wounded. They bled. It's a mess. They take all of those garments, they pile it up, and they burn it. But then they take the soldiers and they put them in a grave. They give them a place of honor. They put a headstone. God is saying, he's not getting any honor. He's not going to get a headstone. He's not going to get a monument. He's going to get a flame. He's going to get a fire is all he's going to get. That's all. This is the end result. Listen, you get what? You get the reward of who you follow. Amen. No. He's not, um, he's not given any honor. He's not given any, any recognition whatsoever. Why? Because he came to the earth and brought destruction. I remember one time meditating on revival and thinking about moves of God. Because and, and, that, that, that kind of stays in my thinking quite a lot. I'm a revivalist. And I begin to think, what is the opposite of revival? You know what the opposite of revival is? War. That's what it is. The opposite of revival is war. What does war produce? Death, destruction, steal, kill, destroy. And I begin to think about how in World War II, there was this horrible war where whole cities were bombed into oblivion. Did you know who caused all of that? Of course, now we can point fingers at Adolf Hitler and, and, and Mussolini and different ones and, and the, the, the Japanese emperor. But in reality, it was the enemy, it was the adversary of man in them that destroyed the cities of the earth. And he reveled in it. That's why God brought such a wonderful revival in 1948. A great healing revival. Even today, in what's going on in Iraq and Afghanistan, what's going on over in Africa and many other places of the world, all these one ethnic group fighting against the other, that's where the wars and rumors of wars, God still got the greater revival. Amen? So that's the revival of Satan is war. But thank God the revival of God is life and peace. Now, let's continue. Go to, go to Ezekiel 28 real quick. How's my time? Oh, I'm doing good. How many are learning something? I'll tell you, we're going to disarm the devil. God's already done it. We're just getting the information on it. Amen. Now, notice verse 14. Is that a four? No, that's an 11. Excuse me. It was a shadow. Don't be concerned. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Speaking of Ezekiel the prophet, Son of man, take up a lamentation. Now notice the phrase here, Upon the king of Tyrus. Now, first of all, you would wonder at the reading of this, is he speaking of a, a literal king of, a king of, of the king of Tyrus? Now, we'll see in just a moment, he's not speaking of a literal, literal king. He's speaking of a power behind that king. Are you with me? It says, Now, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Now notice verse 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Well, first of all, that discounts the literal king of Tyrus. Are you with me? 
That discounts him because there's only, who all was in the garden of God? Well, there was God, there was the woman, there was the man, and there was the devil. So we know here he's not talking about God. We know he's not talking about humanity, the man or the woman. So he must be talking about someone else other than the literal king of Tyrus. Thou hast been in Eden in the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, the gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day in which thou was, now notice this, created. So we see here, he was in the garden of God and he is a created being. Well, there's God. You say, is God a created being? No. God, it says of God, he has no beginning or end. You say, explain that. I'm not God. It just says he has no beginning or end. We'll understand it better by and by. Then there are the created beings, which Adam and the woman were what? Created by God. But they also entered into, after their creation, the process of procreation. So there's only one other created being. Now, now understand this. Angels don't have babies. No matter what you may see on TV or a toilet paper commercial. <laughs> Angels are created beings. They do not procreate. Demons are created beings. They're fallen. They do not procreate. We procreate. When people, when people, when you say that, people say, I'm created by God. I, we know what you're saying. The human family is created by God, but we got here through procreation. He is a created being. So we see he's in the garden of God. He is a created being. We know that's talking about Satan. We know that's talking about Lucifer. Then now notice this, two things. He's covered with wealth, with precious stones. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a real evil tendency to some of the wealth of this world. I know there's all kinds of conspiracy theories and conspiracies. They talked about, you know, all these different organizations and people that got all this money controlling the world. But I do know one thing. There are some real evil tendencies to those that are wealthy outside of the kingdom of God. Amen. Then it says this. He's a music person. That was, it says the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy... This is speaking of musical instruments. Apparently, the way he was created in such a way, in that he was able to produce music out of himself, that it came out, what was it designed to do? To worship the Father, to give glory, to give honor, to give praise to the Father. Some people say he was the choir leader, the head praise and worship leader of the kingdom of heaven. Well, I don't know if he was or not, but he obviously was one part of the band, amen? But here's the thing. You must understand, that's why music has so much power. Be careful the music you listen. Some of it's outright demonic. Listen, when they stamp a big picture of the devil on the front and put 666 on the front of an album, it ain't hard to figure out where it's coming from. Amen. I mean, any type of music that, 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 that gets into you, that, that leads to immorality, that leads to sin, that, that, that draws you back. That's why you got to be getting people say, well, I don't listen to none of that stuff. I just listen to good old country western music. Well, what is that? Sleeping single in a double bed or, you know, my D-I-V-O-R-C-E becomes final today? Come on, church. Amen. 
You heard, you heard what happens when you play country music backwards. That's a good old one. Yeah, y'all want to know? You play country music backwards, you get your dog back, your truck back, your wife back. That's why you got to be so careful with music. Well, pastor, I just, I like to, you know, I like to get some of that going. Now, I know it's not really good. I know it's not really good. I want you, it can lead you away from the things of God. It can get into your soul and anything that gets into your soul has the tendency to drop into your spirit. And if you've ever been to one of these concerts or one of these places where these evil people play the music, I want you to know there's every kind of demonic manifestation you can think of. I was there back in the 60s and 70s. I saw that kind of garbage going on. It will destroy your life. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Amen. Then it says this. Notice this. Thou art the anointed cherub. Do you see that in your Bible? Now you say, Pastor, what does that mean? A cherub is a classification of angels. Now I'm going to stick with the word. I know there's been books written. They call Lucifer, Satan, or the devil, Jesus' brother. He ain't Jesus' brother. I know I'm not supposed to say ain't. But he ain't Jesus' brother. He's not an archangel. He is a cherub, which is under an archangel. We know that Michael and Gabriel, the two predominant archangels that are named. Listen, if Satan, if Lucifer, if he was an archangel, he would have said it. But he was not an archangel. He was the anointed cherub. Is what the Bible says. Now listen, I know there's other people that write things. We're going to stay with the Bible. I I feel much safer with the Bible than I do with so-and-so's book. No, my Bible says he was the anointed cherub that covereth. What did he cover? I believe that he was the covering of the worship. The covering of the sound of heaven. How heaven sounded. The worship, the praise, the glory that took place. Thou Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You see how that can't be the king of Tyrus literally. See what I'm talking about. Thou wast perfect. Now notice this. Thou wast perfect in all thy ways from the day in which thou wast created till iniquity was found in them. In thee. Now notice right here. I hate to take so many rabbit trails, but it bears teaching as we're teaching these things. He was perfect in the day in which it was created until what? Iniquity. Now we know this iniquity stuff. We've talked about this. Isaiah 53, Jesus was wounded for our transgression, individual acts of sin, bruised for our iniquity, the motivation to sin. So we see that the origin of iniquity, which is spiritual. Let me say that again. The origin of iniquity, which is spiritual, that which is on the inside of unregenerate men and women, which motivates them to sin, which can be controlled by willpower. Are you with me? That, the origin of that is Satan. It was in, let me just say, remember all the I wills we read in Isaiah 14? So he's covered with all this beauty. He's the anointed cherub. He's got all this music in him. So he gets up. And have you ever read about the, the, the beings in heaven? Some of them got as many as 24 eyes. You know what they're designed to? Keep their eyes on God. Keep the eyes on the, keep your eyes. So obviously, he had his eyes on the Father, eyes on, whether that was for six minutes or six trillion years. I don't know how long it was. He had his eyes on God, eyes on God, eyes on God, eyes on God, doing what God had created him to do, eyes on God. Eyes, then his eyes got on himself. There was some kind of flash. There was some kind of radiance. 
There was some note that was hit. There was something that came up out of him that for a split second got his eyes off the Father. And when he saw himself, iniquity formed on the inside of him, which is rebellion to God. He caused insurrection in heaven. And Jesus said this, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He said, as soon as we figured out what was going on, we took him and a third of the angels and we cast him out of heaven so fast it looked like lightning hitting the ground. It, that means there was no war that went on through the eons of time, back and forth, good and evil, devil and God. That did not happen, church. That did not happen. He was thrown to the earth and the earth went into darkness. So he saw himself. Iniquity is that force. You say, why are you bringing that up? The reason is, is because people, there are lots of books out there that talk about the curse of your family. How you've got to go dig in your family because, you know, divorce runs in our family and, 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 and arthritis and, and alcoholism and drug addiction and all this stuff runs in our family. So what you've got to do, if you're going to get healed of that, you've got to go dig around in your family and dig up all this stuff. And some books go so far as to print and say, you've got to repent for the past sins of your family. Who are we following? Joseph Smith? That's, that's the Mormon. That's the kind of stuff they teach. Amen. You got to go back and repent for all the sins of your... No, 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 no. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. Jesus did the work. Once you get out of the human family, leave it alone. Live in God's family. You do not have to go... You say, well, Pastor, I've read books about delivered from iniquity. Listen, iniquity makes inroads in your flesh and in your soul. But it's the original iniquity that was in you is gone. And replaced with the righteousness of God in Christ. You may have formed a habit. You may have formed a way of thinking. You may have formed an ideal with that iniquity when you were a sinner. But now you're over in the kingdom of God. Now you're in the family of God. Take the word of God. Take the power of the name of Jesus. Take the power of the Holy Ghost. And destroy any of those avenues or conduits of iniquity that are in your flesh and in your soul. You don't have to run off to some uh, conference somewhere. Will you figure out the quote, curses of... You say, well, I've done that. Well, that's all right. You don't have to do that no more. Renew your mind, present your body, and walk in faith. But see, all that's kind of run its course, but then it comes back about every 10, 15 years, it starts rising back up again. It's always connected to the spiritual warfare issue. Spiritual warfare. Oh, pastor, we've got to get in an airplane. Let's go down to Shoals Field, and let's get in an airplane, and let's fly up in the heavenlies where the devils are, and let's bind them up there, and let's try to figure out what kind of devil. I, I think there's a pirate devil loose over Galveston. Let somebody tell me that one time. People are just pirates down there. They steal your business. They steal your girlfriend. They steal your surfboard. They steal your fishing spot. They're just pirates all over the island. I somebody tell me that one time. Somebody's got to cast down that pirate spirit over the island. They refer that back to Jean Lafitte having a house and all that. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, we're going to preach Jesus. We're going to proclaim his name. We're going to get the lost saved. We're going to get the sick healed. Amen. We're going to get the oppressed delivered. Freely we have received. Freely we're going to give. And any other kind of spirit that's hanging over this island, well, it's just going to have to move out of the way because when we got here, Jesus got here. Amen. See, all that kind of stuff is just a distraction to get you off course. I, I tell you, I, I went to, a, I was preaching at a conference over in England. When, oh, no, it wasn't in England, it was in Ireland. 
And a poor lady came up. She'd been in a, a meeting the night before in which they made her, they, she came up to, they made her get in a fetal position and go back to the time in which she was born. Because something happened when she was born that really hurt her. And, and so after all this ministry that was done to her down at the altar, you know, one guy laying his hands on said, let it go. Uh, the other guy laying his hands on her saying, grab hold. You know, he said, I couldn't figure out what he was doing. He said, but you know, they ministered to her that something happened. And then, then they said this. They said this to her. You have a secret sin in your life. There's a secret. And this, that, that, that's the problem. All your problems your whole life has been because of this secret sin that you know nothing about. So she's standing in my line the next night. And I said, I, I mean, as crude as I am, this is all I could come up with. I said, if I took a hammer and whacked you in the head with it, would you know it? She said, yeah. I said, why? She said, it hurt. I said, don't you know that if you sinned, it hurt? She looked at me, her eyes got about that big. I said, there's no secret sin in your life that you don't know nothing about. Any sin that's in your life, you know if you're doing it, it's hurting you right now. She, looked, she got so delivered and said, she just kind of floated back to her seat. <laughs> but see, all that stuff that's just designed to sell books, get you into conferences to do some kind of weirdo stuff to you, that's not relevant. No, that iniquity, its origin is Satan. The removal of that iniquity, its origin is Jesus. He took it out of us. And if there's still some thought patterns and some stuff in your flesh, then you work on it with the word of God. You renew your mind. You present your body. And you don't let anybody tell you that you're still in that human family. Amen. You're in God's family. And I want you to know divorce don't run in our family. Disease don't run in our family. Addiction don't run in our family. Poverty don't run in our family. Come on, church. How'd we get off on that? That's good anyway. Let me get back up here. I'm breaking in some new shoes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Where was I? By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. Thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy thee, O covering cherubim, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thy iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore, will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, and it shall devour thee. I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. Now, let me close with this. This will help you. God's not a destroyer. You know what's going to destroy the devil? You see, there's a fire coming out of you that's going to destroy you. He's his own worst enemy. He's his own worst enemy. Now, we keep him under our feet. We know that Jesus has destroyed his power. We know all of that. But I'm talking about him as an individual spirit entity in this universe. That which is in him, which is the, that iniquity, that which comes forth from him, demands judgment. He was judged when he was kicked out of heaven. He was judged upon the cross. Amen. When Jesus took our judgment, he will be judged another time. He will be put in a, the lake of fire, let out for a small season, the Bible says, for a little portion of time. 
I'll explain that to you sometime. But basically that's for those that are born onto the planet during the thousand year millennial of Jesus Christ. The enemy still has access to the human family so he has rights to them. But the Bible says it will be for a season. Now let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Because people are always concerned about things that they, they don't have information on. If you're born the 200th year of the millennial reign. Are you with me? And you live on the earth 800 years. There's no death on the earth. Death, hell, and the grave are locked up. So that means you live 800 years. You don't age. All your provision is supplied by God. The glory of God is here. When the devil is loose for a season, are you going to go follow him? See, there's people always worry, well, I'm afraid that I might be one of those that gets fooled by the devil. But he's loose for a season after the millennial reign. I'm afraid I might get to see. Honey, come on. You've lived in the glory of God for a thousand years and you think you're going to get deceived by a, D, by a little old, uh, beat up entity down in the pits of hell. No, it's just legal that he be loose for that season and have access to that part of the human family. There won't be no, every one of them will reject him. Every one of them will say no. Every one of them will walk away. You say, why? Because God is the God of this earth. The Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and his system will have been destroyed. Amen. So, in conclusion, this fallen Spirit being. We know that the Bible says for us that Jesus spoiled principalities and powers made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. That's in Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. In 1 John 3, 8, for this reason was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. He is a defeated spiritual entity. He has no power over you unless you give him power. He is not to be played with But you should not be intimidated by the devil. If he tries to put fear on your mind, if he tries to put doubt in your mind, if he tries to use circumstances that has happened in your life, if he's tried to scare you, come on church, he'll try to scare you. He'll try to put a scare. He'll try to use an event. He'll try to use a circumstance or a situation and he'll try to put a scare on the inside of you. You need to reject him in every level. You need to take your position of authority in Christ. That's what we're going to study next week. Your position of victory. Your position of authority over the devil. Because Jesus defeated him, God put you in Christ. He is defeated because of your Lord and Savior. And you are called to demonstrate that defeat. Jesus is not going to come down. God's not going to come down. He has sent the Holy Ghost to empower us. He's given us the word and the power in the name of Jesus. I know there are people that need help. We pray for people all the time. We lay hands on people. We bind. We loose. We cast out. We do all of that. But there comes a time in your life as an individual. I'm not talking about couples, family. I'm talking about you as an individual. As a young person. As a teenager. As a, as, a, as a mom, as a dad, as whoever you may be, there comes a time in your life where you've got to put your feet down and stand and say, no, that's it. The devil's time of running roughshod over me is over. Amen. I will not be subject to his lies. I will not be subject to his deception. And I will not yield to his temptation. Now, if you'll make that bold declaration, all of heaven itself backs you up with its authority and with its power. Because you got to understand something, church. The devil is defeated and Jesus is Lord. Let me say it again. The devil is defeated and Jesus is Lord. I don't care what we see on television. The devil is defeated and Jesus is Lord. It does not matter what religion says. The devil is defeated and Jesus is Lord. It doesn't matter that we live on Galveston Island. 
pirate spirit. Come on. <laughs> Amen. That's just crazy. No, the pirate spirit is defeated. And Jesus is Lord. And anything else the devil tries to raise up, it's defeated. And Jesus is Lord. Jesus is just looking for some people that will do what? Demonstrate that defeat. Some of you need to go home and clean house. Some of you need to go home and just get some stuff out of there. If it belongs to the devil, if it's of his kingdom, he has the right to be there. Let me say, second closing. People say, well, what about this spirit over areas issue? Obviously, there's some demons that rule over the island. Obviously, there are demons that rule over other cities and places. Well, as long as anybody's willing to cooperate with that demon power, it has the right to be there. I believe in Las Vegas, they've cooperated with the spirit of gambling. Do any of you think that might have happened? The whole city. I, you say, I say that mockingly because there were a group of people that went and rented an airplane and flew around and around and around over Las Vegas, Nevada and landed and came out and declared to everybody that was listening, we discovered the principality over Las Vegas. It's a gambling devil. <laughs> you had to rent an airplane to do that? No, we demonstrate their defeat. You say, we're going to just close every bar. We're going to bind every spirit of alcoholism. Well, this move of God may get that strong where that happens. But at this point, as long as willing somebody to go down, as long as one person is willing to go down there and put their money on the bar, that spirit has the will, right to be there. So what we do is we don't try to bind the devil. We try to preach to the person who's giving him access. Get them saved. Get them born again. Get them delivered. Then that's one less person that's giving those devils access. And when you get more and more and more and more delivered, then you start seeing great revival, great moves of God, great spiritual awakening. People begin to wake up and say, hey, I don't live for the devil no more. He's not for me. He's trying to destroy me. When you begin to understand your rights and privileges in Christ, how much power, how much authority God is invested in you. I mean, you take your Bible, you go do you a house cleansing, you do you a car cleansing, you do you a mind cleansing, you say in the name of Jesus, devil, you're not going to attack me in the way you've been attacking me. I'm not going to be subject to that anymore. I'm not going to be subject to your temptation anymore. You are under my feet. You are defeated. See, the more you say that and the more you emphasize that, the more your own spirit grabs a hold of that by faith and the more you rise up victorious. Hebrews actually says, Hebrews actually says, we'll show you that in a couple of weeks, where he has put all things under his feet. Speaking of God, putting all things under the feet of Jesus. But then it says, but we see not yet all things under our feet, but we see Jesus. Which means he did it once and for all. We're in the process of enforcing it. You may be struggling with an allergy that you've had for 15 years. Get it under your feet. Get it under your feet. You may be struggling with a mindset of fear and intimidation that the enemy puts in your mind. Get it under your feet. Go through the process. Get it under your feet. You may just be afraid of the devil himself. Don't be afraid any longer. Don't be afraid any longer. He's defeated. He's empty. He's been destroyed several different times. And he's not that smart. My last statement. You ready? He's been a loser. A loser, 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 a loser. What in the world makes you think you're going to be his first success? Let me try that again. What makes you think you are going to be his first where he can get up and say, I finally got one. I finally got one. Yes, I did. Down there in Island Church, I got one. That's my success. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. 
because Jesus Christ is your Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.